Hello everybody, this is Tamsin Wolf, and this is the fourth episode of my podcast, Bullseye. I left off with the story of the trucker last time, which happened when I was four years old, and the next part of this story is a very condensed version of events that happened over about the next two and a half years. So I apologise if there's any kind of disjointedness about some of these stories. I really try for there not to be, but sometimes there are just so many events in this sort of couple of years of my life that I might to and fro a bit and take a little bit from here and a little bit from there, but I hope all round it can be kind of understood. And full disclosure, I have tried to do this episode or started to do this episode probably I don't know, half a dozen times in the last week. And so far, this is by far the hardest one that I've done. I'm not actually sure why, because it's it's far from the most obviously traumatic, I guess, or far from the most graphic in any way. But it just makes me terribly sad talking about it. And after all my rambling on that I don't cry when I tell these stories and everything, I have found that not to be true with this one because it's just a very, very sad story and has been far more triggering and full on than the others so far. So just bear with me if I seem a little bit all over the shop because I probably am. Here we go anyway. After the trucker incident, uh, there was a lot that happened within my family. My mum and dad were still together at that stage and there were me and my two siblings, my brother that was older than me and my sister as well. She was five years older and he was nine years older than me, so I was the youngest. And I mean, I could go on literally forever with the stories of trauma throughout you know, our family and when mum and dad were together. My dad, in a lot of ways, I don't think is a bad man, I guess. It's not what you'd call him. He never abused me or anybody else to my knowledge but he was just a very absent very again 1970s style father who had very little empathy in a lot of ways I think for what mum was going through at the time with mental health stuff or you know, showed I think fairly little interest in the children and that I just wanted to clarify he is not one of my abusers and that they were together until I was, I think, around six years old. So just jumping to that from four to about six there because that's when they split up. And there are a lot of reasons why they split up. I mean, you know, looking back, it could have been anything or indeed anything and everything. There was just a lot going on, a lot of fighting, a lot of yelling, a lot of dad walking out, a lot of mum walking out, just a very traumatic family picture. But I believe or to my understanding is that the primary reason they broke up when they did was because mum was having a relationship with the drummer in her band at the time and he was substantially younger than her and I actually I'll check on that bit because I know he was a lot lot younger but I'm actually thinking it's probably a greater age gap than I'm remembering uh, he was just like you know the young groovy drummer of the band thing and mum was the lead singer and I don't know for how long they'd been together or having an affair or whatever you call it but they mum and dad ended up splitting up because of that primarily I think and dad moved away dad moved away to Dubbo 
and, you know, started to restart his life there. I don't really understand the reasons for that, but I know that's what he did. And then my mum and us kids moved into a tiny little flat that was not our home that we actually grew up in because as far as I can recall, I think it was that both my parents couldn't afford to stay in the house that they had the mortgage on and everything. So I think that's why dad moved away and mum and us kids moved to this little tiny, tiny two-bedroom flat where there just wasn't enough room for us all. But, you know, it was a reasonably happy and peaceful place. Not a lot of terrible things happened there. Probably the main ones I can remember is any time dad did come to see us, you know, if he came to visit us at this flat, if my mum's drummer boyfriend was there at the time, then a punch-up would ensue, which was always terribly embarrassing because I remember at least one time it happening in the front yard of our home of a brawl happening between my father and mum's young boyfriend. I'm not sure what it was about, but something about my mother, I'm assuming. But anyway, there was a lot of things then that didn't make sense and I don't really understand why they happened. But, you know, in my child's recollection, that is what happened and what I saw and what I witnessed. Anyway, my mum was with this man a lot, the younger man, who drove around in his station wagon and just lived and breathed his music. Again, I want to just clarify, I don't believe he was inherently a bad man he was a raging alcoholic and he had a lot of problems in that way, a lot of past trauma as far as I can remember too in his own life and his own family and he adored my mother. That's what I can clearly remember is how much he adored my mum and he was as much as he possibly could be at the time good to me and, you know, I was never nasty, was never physical in any way that I can recall. But Still at the time, it was a quite a distressing time because while my brother, sister and I spent a lot of time in this flat together, we'd actually be there alone a lot of the time because mum would be spending time with him or staying overnight at his extremely grungy little smelly flat that was over the other side of town. It truly was gross, I must be honest about that. It just stunk, it stunk of beer cans and cigarette smoke and It used to make me really quite feel sick when I used to go there and I was very depressed as soon as I walked into that little place. had a really horrible, dark energy. And because I was the youngest, I was the one that occasionally had to, or not occasionally, fairly often, had to stay in this little grimy flat with my mum so she could be with him for the night. And there was no room there for me either. And so I used to have to sleep on a really grotty, disgusting vinyl couch and just have a blanket over me and a pillow. And I just remember hating it with every bone in my body and feeling so desperately lonely in the darkness and just feeling like I didn't understand what was going on and they were hardly aware I was even there, particularly through the night. The only joy that I derived out of that experience was every time I slept on that couch, I was able to put my hand down the back of where the sort of sofa cushions were and there was always loose change down there so that was always a bonus because I'd dig the loose change out of the back of the couch and then I'd go to the shop and buy lollies with it so there was something always a what do you call it silver lining pot of gold at the end of the rainbow 
So I do remember that being the highlight, but otherwise it was just an extremely depressing time. And my mum and her drummer boyfriend, I'm not using names, I just want to point that out to you. I deliberately don't use names for lots of reasons, just because I don't set out to hurt anybody and don't set out to defame anybody. And also, for that matter, legally speaking, I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to say about people that might recognise themselves in these stories and if I am actually leaving myself open to any kind of legal trouble. I really don't know. So I'm being very careful with who I name. I could have thought of different names they could have had, like a, I don't know, aliases or something, but I'm not that imaginative at the moment. So I'll just go with calling them the boyfriend, etc. So this all went on for quite a long time. And in my, again, my child's mind, I just assumed that eventually my mum and her boyfriend were going to be together in a more traditional kind of sense and at some point we might be living together or something I just assumed that's where it was all going to go and then one day we were all at the little flat we lived in my mum and us kids see how ridiculous this is the minute I started talking about this and the really sad aspects of it my voice just completely disappeared for a second and I just had to pause and try to get it back it is quite unbelievable how quickly and immediately it will happen so please excuse the you know the pauses in my voice I really have no control over it I'm not sick it's just a thing that happens when I speak about this trauma and amazes even me about how quickly it will happen but anyway one day we were all at the flat together and I remember we had to move the rabbit cage that was out in our yard that had our rabbit precious in it a lovely little white angora rabbit. And I remember my brother giving my mum a funny look at the time as mum walked over to help him move the rabbit cage to another part of the yard. And I just picked up on whatever the weird sort of energy or weird look was. And I didn't know why it was a weird thing, but I knew that something weird was going on because it seemed obvious that the look was about you know, letting my mother know that she shouldn't be moving the rabbit cage or basically was in some sort of position where she shouldn't be doing that kind of thing. And I still, I mean, obviously I didn't twig at the time, I was still a little girl, but I remember not long after that because the energy just sort of changed around the whole thing at that point. And I remember her sitting us down, my sister and I, because obviously my older brother already knew, sitting us down and explaining that she was pregnant. And I remember initially being quite excited about it and sort of feeling like, you know, I kind of knew that would probably happen eventually because mum was still reasonably young and the drummer boyfriend was very young in his early 20s as far as I can remember. And, you know, it wasn't a total shock. I can clearly remember that. And at the time there was just not a thought in my mind that the baby could belong to anybody but the drummer boyfriend. So. I can't actually remember at what point that was cleared up by my mum, but I think it was a little while after that because I asked some questions that would have shown her that obviously I had no idea there was anything more to this story. And eventually I was told that the pregnancy was not to her drummer boyfriend, but to a very good friend of the drummer's who I didn't know, I'd never met, he wasn't involved in the music scene in any way that I knew of. 
he was just a random man. And obviously, as a little child, it's very hard to get your head around these kind of things about how on earth it happened or who was this person? Where did he suddenly spring from? What did the boyfriend think? What was going to happen now? Just There were so many questions. I just remember being extremely confused and really kind of worried about what was going to happen next. And not too long after that, I found out what was going to happen, that my mother and I were going to be moving to Port Macquarie, which was a few hours away from Tamworth, Port Macquarie on the coast, mid-north coast. And yeah, so she and I would be leaving to go and live with him. My sister and brother would be left behind in Tamworth. And to my recollection, my sister was to go and live with my father, who at that stage may have already moved to Newcastle, but I'm not quite sure of that because After Dubbo, he moved to Newcastle, so I'm not quite sure what the time frame was there. But I know that my sister was going to live with him. And my older brother, who hadn't yet finished school, was going to stay with my grandmother, the same grandmother from the trucker story, until he finished school. And it was just a very sad and distressing situation all round. My brother wasn't particularly close to that part of the family and I I know just felt very abandoned and very left behind and it was terribly sad and my sister probably felt the same way I imagine it was just kind of like the decision she had to make to go to live with my father was the lesser of two evils not because she didn't like my father or didn't get on with him but he was with another woman at this stage who made us far from welcome and it was that was just a sad scenario all round as well. So there was no right answer for her either. I feel like she just had to choose something and I was to go with mum. So all my life, all I'd known was this little family unit of my mum, my sister and my brother. And even after my dad had left, it was always just us. And we know we had our problems and we certainly had our problems, but we also always had each other. So the thought of this happening, of us all being torn apart by this event, was just horrific to me and it's the thing to this day. See, I'm starting to get all teary and I really didn't think this would happen when I'm telling these stories, but this one really gets me, that it was just the saddest time of my life and by far the loneliest and it's just something that I'll never forget as the actual spiral down until the into, sorry, the hell that we lived for quite a few years after this as a direct result of this move. And so the arrangements were made for Mum and I to leave and it all seemed to happen really quickly in my mind. I just remember it being a whirlwind of activity and just feeling completely lost in the space of it all happening and having no idea what was going to happen next or how I was going to get through this or I just knew that the life that we had up to that point was never ever going to be the same that was obvious when the very very saddest memory of my entire life was mum and I getting in the car to drive away from our little flat to go to Port Macquarie and I had the budgie cage on my knee with the budgie in it because there was no other room in the car for it because it was just packed with everything that we owned And I remember mum and I driving off up the road and me looking at the back window of our little, I think it was our little green marina, 
little car, like Leyland Marina from memory. And yeah, just looking at the back window of the car and waving to my brother and sister as they stood there and knowing that it was probably going to be a long time before I saw them again. And even when I did see them, it was never, ever going to be the same. And it was just a terribly, terribly sad moment and one that obviously I haven't gotten over because I still cry as I talk about it. But suffice to say, this was very much the beginning of the end. I might actually do this episode in two parts, I just decided, because if I want to make them under half an hour each, which is what I'm trying to do, then I'm not going to have enough time to tell the next part of this story. I mean, there's a lot more to this story, but a significant section of it will take about another half an hour again, I think. So I will do one part now and a second part to this episode, hopefully in a couple of days' time. So I'm sorry if it does come across as a little bit little bit disjointed. It probably will because I'm stopping it fairly suddenly. But this one is a bit of a hard story to relay in a lot of ways, and I'm feel like that what I've said so far probably conveys the overall feeling of sadness that is what I need to get across at this point of how even as a little child I just knew I knew that there was just a feeling of impending doom about the whole thing incredibly so I remember just knowing in every cell in my body that this wasn't good it the situation wasn't good it wasn't going to be positive for any one of us We'd been torn apart by these circumstances that just never should have happened. I always look back and think how happy we could have been. Mum could have had the baby. We could have all still been together. We would have adored the baby still, which I did when he ended up being born. That's another whole story. But we never, ever should have followed that man to Port Macquarie to so-called start a new life it was disastrous and when I get to the next of the second part of this episode that's when it starts to get a little bit heavier so again there's a trigger warning there of fairly full-on descriptions of child abuse so I will just save that for the next one and warn you that it will be there so again please don't listen if that's going to be too triggering as I understand it is for a lot of people And yeah, I will be back soon and it'll be part two of the fourth episode of Bullseye uh, called And So It Began. I don't know whether I said that at the start of this episode, that that's the name. And So It Began. Um, Nothing could sum it up more, I think, than that title of how everything basically went to shit from this point on. And I will share that with you soon. Actually, also in the next part of this episode I'm going to send out a thank you call out a thank you to the wonderful wonderful sponsors that have pledged money and put money towards supporting me with this project I honestly couldn't keep doing this without you and that is the honest truth you've just been wonderful and the amounts that you know I had a I had a goal of $500 which I'm not quite at yet as far as a a monthly thing because that's how much I've worked out Um, I'm going to need to be able to cover all the costs to keep doing this podcasting is a lot of fun but I've actually realized it's a lot more expensive and there's a lot more ongoing expenses than I actually kind of expected in the beginning but that's fine 
I'm going to keep going and push through it. But I did come to the stage a little bit earlier than expected of reaching out for pledges and donations and patronage from you. So I don't actually know yet how to put up the the link to actually support this podcast. But I know if you go on Spotify, I think you can just put in to Spotify support bullseye podcast possibly something like that if you do want to pledge any amount and be one of the monthly pledges who'll get called out by name and thanked every so often and I hope nobody minds me doing that if you don't want me to mention your name for any reason please always let me know um, along with your donation just send me a message but yeah the the fact that you support me in that way and believe in what I'm doing to the extent that you do my supporters I have no words you just mean the world to me and thank you so so much anyway I will be back soon for part two episode four of Bullseye I'm Tamsin Wolf and I thank you very much for listening bye